Leo Molatelli is a lawyer, published legal tech author, speaker, and legal tech and innovation specialist who currently holds the role of head of business development at Legal Interact. She sits as a council member for the University of the Free State, part of the advisory board for the Global Legal Tech Hub and Women in Tech South African chapter. She is a country member for the Global Legal Tech Consortium and is one of 2022's ILTA's most influential woman in legal tech honoree. In this podcast episode, Leah shares her insights transitioning from going traditional lawyer route to the legal tech space. And she talks about doing everything with intention and purpose. Morning, Leah. Thank you so much for joining me on the Tea with Nikki. It's such a pleasure to have you on here today and taking the time. So I'll kick it off with starting a bit about your background. You come from labor law and then you transitioned your career into the tech scene, but specializing in legal tech. So how did that happen and what does legal tech mean exactly? Thank you so much, Nikki. Hello, invite. Uh, great to be here. Um, Geez, man, I always fall into these things. <laughs> so uh, even with the labor focus, it was purely um, because of the need that the company had. Though I did have previous um, experience, you know, as a candidate attorney, it wasn't that in-depth. So I fell onto that. <laughs> um, and then when I left, when I started Lenoma, it was a consulting company, but I realized, um, well, my nanny didn't show up um, and my baby was still very young and I couldn't go to a meeting because of that. Um, and then I decided to schedule an appointment uh, with a client via Skype. And this is literally late 2016 before this. was. I was going to say Skype. Oh, when last <laughs> did I hear that word? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, the client agreed. So I didn't lose out um, on that. And it kind of sparked something like, oh, I don't need to leave home in order to give legal advice, which is, you know, what I wanted to do, but on my own terms. And that's also why it was a consulting company instead of a traditional law firm, because the legal industry is still very um, rigid in terms of things like marketing, you know, and so forth. And I'm loud. So <laughs> I knew Nothing wrong that with wasn't being loud. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to work out. In any event, um, went on to good old Google and I discovered legal tech. So what legal tech basically is, is technologies that enable um, lawyers to deliver legal services. So in essence, it really doesn't matter in what area you're in. Um, it's not about an area of speciality. It's just the way within which you do things. And so I integrated um, tech into the normal legal, and then we reshifted into a legal tech company. So in essence, what that meant over the past couple of years, built an online platform, anyone who needed legal advice. Um, our target market was startups and small businesses. They could go on the uh, book an appointment or get um, legal documents that were drafted you know, by me and some um, lawyer friends. So it was literally legally vetted. So it's not something that you get like, you know, <laughs> that you don't know what you're getting. But that, that's that's how, um, you know, legal tech for me, the passion for it was born. Yeah. 
Okay, and legal tech isn't, um, you know, from my kind of realm, isn't a very popular colloquial term just yet. So I'm sure along the way you must have, you know, stumbled and fumbled and failed along the way in building up the legal tech consultancy. So how did you persevere through these phases and how did you fail upwards to get to where you are today? Geez, when you don't have any other option, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I don't That's think, a good one. <laughs> I don't think you 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 go any other way um, because you know I'm a single mom, um, and I wanted to be present um, for the kids, but also do what I love. And you know, there's often that confliction uh, with mothers who are career driven like myself. Um, how do you mash the two? And so for me and why I literally decided to stick to it, not, well, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> you know, it's really super cool. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, naturally. But it was also the freedom that it allowed me. Uh, and I mean, think about from a practical perspective, you draft a contract once, you review it maybe annually, or if there's a change, you know, in different laws that impact that particular contract, plug it um, on a platform, and then you get consistent revenue. So it made sense, um, uh, you know, to me. Uh, in terms of failure, geez, I, I <laughs> anyone in the startup world uh, will tell you how rough it is, how lonely it is. And even though legal tech right now, particularly on the continent, is starting to get a lot of headway, back then it was very lonely. Luckily, Twitter really, really saved me. Literally, you can just go on the hashtag legal tech and you'll find you'll find your tribe because, you know, sometimes it gets so lonely, whatever you're doing. But finding an ecosystem and a community of people who are building what I was building just on the other side of the world. But because it was legal tech and because we understood the resistance around, um, you know, the traditional industry about doing something um, so drastic, it connected us. Even now, um, I had a professional challenge. I reached out to, to one of them, um, you know, in, in the US. So it's it really helped um, just having a community around. Um, and I would not necessarily say it's a failure per se mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, the stuff that I couldn't do or couldn't achieve. I think it's just lessons because literally every single thing that I did has led up to where I am right now. So for example, um, I'm head of business development here, but it requires you to be a lawyer and understand how lawyers think, which I am. It requires you to understand legal tech, which I do because I was in this space and I continue to learn. And it requires you to have a business mind, which I do, you know, be entrepreneurial in nature and understand the dynamics of business, assessing competitors, analyzing markets, um, ensuring that internal business processes allow for scaling of products, building relationships and networking. And I mean, if you are a startup, your whole life is around building relationships. You're building one for your teams, you're building one for your investors, you're building one um, with stakeholders, people in the public. Um, so I don't necessarily see it as failure per se. It's just things, you know, those dots that um, Steve Jobs often speaks about that in hindsight, it's actually all connected. Yeah. And through these phases that you've had, where you've had to wear these many different hats, I know that you've previously mentioned to me about 
staying true to yourself and your identity and not letting your identity become your career. So through these phases, how have you managed to do that and maintain that? Plugging out. You know, despite my very outgoing personality, literally, if you just search online, Liam, let's say, like, you'll see a bunch of stuff that I've done, but I'm actually very reserved, shockingly enough. Um, and so, and also because I feed off people's energies. So whenever I have a talking session or whatever it is that I'm doing, it feels like I'm getting out of myself. So like a bear, I need to retreat and go back into my cave, center myself. And that is what really gets me through um, me, you know, understanding myself and understanding that you can't always be out there. You can't um, always, you know, be doing X, Y, Z, purely because you also need to find your power and your center. And you can't do that with noise all around. You know, there's power in solitude. There's power in silence. And just removing yourself. I mean, at some point I left um, social media. Um, I recently only just came back to Facebook, what, like two days, three days ago, um, after a year of not being there. You know, so you really need to catch yourself and come back to who you are because you do get sucked into, oh, I'm a lawyer. This is how I'm supposed to act. But we're really different. I mean, I'm a classical example. I'm very different from a traditional, um, you know, lawyer and it's okay, you know. So when you say you come back and send to yourself, what does that look like exactly? How do you do that apart from the social media break? Because also you're a mother, so that must be quite difficult to take some time for yourself as well. You have to be very intentional. Um, so I struggled a lot to keep my thoughts in check because my brain is always literally always wired um so you know before people wake up uh find time literally even if it's just 30 seconds just be with yourself you know get yourself ready get yourself calm see how the day will actually roll out for you that really has helped me a lot in terms of hitting my I don't call it my to-do list because that sounds obligatory. It's <laughs> I call it my impact to-do list. list. I love a to-do list. <laughs> I call it my impact list. You know, it 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 just that word change for me gives me um, a bigger meaning. Like, oh, okay, no, I'm not just sending an email. It has a ripple effect in terms of the bigger picture. Um, you know, because sometimes literally you get so caught up in the small things, the tiny things that you forget why you're doing what you're doing, whether it matters, um, the type of impact it will have not only on you and your life, but other people. Uh, and I'm very big on living purposefully. I really like the notion of that, an impact list as opposed to a to-do list. That definitely, words have such an incredible kind of sensation, of connotation or sensation about them because they really do provide feelings. Instead of saying impact list, to-do list, it's two different things that's really great yeah and so with your impact list and with being purpose-driven obviously going from traditional lawyer background to entrepreneur legal tech what has been your experience as a woman in both the legal and tech world both are very challenging um you know I don't even need to pull out the stats you know it is well known in terms of you know the fact that we're underrepresented um, as women in both spaces, despite the fact that there's a very high number of 
um, female law graduates. But when you look at um, where we sit in the decision-making um, roles in big law firms, um, in those key areas where we can actually have a voice, it tells a different story. And it's often because of the environment itself, because it doesn't allow people like me. So for, ex for example, I, I had my, my twin boys when I was in second year. So by the time I went to work um, in, into the traditional space, my headset in terms of what I wanted to do was very different from my peers, you know, because I had other obligations. And so simple things like, hey, um, I'm not going to court. The type of legal work that I do uh, doesn't require me to go to court every day. It doesn't require me to be at the office all the time or whatever it is. Making such suggestions was not well received. <laughs> you know, having flexi hours, you know, things like that. And, you know, those were some of the key things that made me relook and rethink whether, you know, being in the traditional space was for me. Uh, you know, beyond just also being different, um, it wasn't the life that I wanted to live. And so I went into tech. Um, the challenge is there, but I must say, tech, more specifically legal tech, is more welcoming. Um, it's more open. And I guess it's because, you know, when you're the black sheep, <laughs> when you're the naughty kids, <laughs> you stick together. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it's a bit more um, welcoming. I'm much more happier. Information is shared. It's not so competitive like in the traditional um, legal space. We share resources. We share how we do what we do because we know literally the type of impact it can have from a service delivery perspective from people, genuine ordinary citizens getting access to legal services purely because of how we do what we do. Um, and so it has been very welcoming and they're very particular in terms of advancing um, women. I mean, we have specific women in legal tech awards. They're really, really, really very intentional about it. Um, even the community itself, it's very welcoming. Uh, so for example, here where I am right now, so I'm back in corporate, but in a legal tech company, I get to work um, once a month, um, a week, yeah. In, in Bloom back home so I can actually be with the kids because I didn't move up with them immediately. Mm -hmm. I needed to pray, prepare Johannesburg. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, you know? are you ready for my boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get things, you know, motherhood things, you know, get schools ready, make sure that, you know, not rocking up with kids and trying to figure yourself out. Rather come first, lay the foundation, lay the uh, groundwork, and so, you know, those type of things, you know, where people actually understand that, hey, you're a mom. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, you'll miss your kids. So, dude, you don't have to be in the office all the time. You can have that time. You still deliver. You know, things like that. You know, it's very, uh, it's a huge shift for me, I must say. I absolutely love it. I love this space. Uh, yeah. What do you think that it is about the traditional legal sense that keeps it sort of so rigid? We, traditionally lawyers, and I mean, I can understand that because I too am a lawyer and the connotation of a lawyer, uh, you know, that word, you know, as you say, words are powerful. Uh, they, it brings up a sense of respect, of gravitas, of 
geez, you know, so, so because of that, um, sometimes we have become very um, exclusionary and classist um, to the detriment of everyone else. And so when you don't fit into the mold, uh, it becomes a big challenge. Um, and I think because of the way that it's built, you know, information is, is kept um, within the space because obviously that's where the money comes from in terms of how money is made. Um, so that becomes quite a challenge. And so for me, um, I think that's really is a structural thing. It's not a one person thing. You get into a system and then you have to shift yourself and, and fit yourself into fitting into it, you know? So yeah, it's the system itself. What do you think that can be done to maybe shift the system to be more inclusive? More people like me, <laughs> more people uh, who are diverse um, in key decision-making uh, roles uh, because you can't have a change or you can't have a different perspective if everyone is a white old guy, you know? Mm. Um, their experiences are probably the same. They probably went to the same school. They have the same network. But if you bring in Aaliyah, she, she comes in with a different perspective, different background, and she will then be able to advocate, you know, um, for the next person. So being intentional and thoughtful about being inclusive um, can really make the type of ripple changes that we want. Oh, well, hopefully the legal system takes that advice and then we can see some more diversity in that. I also just want to touch base on the fact that you've recently just launched a book as well. Could you share what yes. the book is about, where we can find it? You know, with legal tech, because when I started, it was still um, relatively new. I, I understood that the market needed a lot of education um, around it. And so... But the thought process behind the book was, geez, man, um, you can actually not only do the actual work, but you can also teach others about it and try to open their minds that they, this actually exists. And there are other ways within which you can create impact as a lawyer. Um, you don't have to be in a big firm. You don't have to be climbing the typical um, corporate ladder there are different ways within which you can actually have impact. Um, and so for me, the rationale behind the book was explaining what legal tech is. Very, it's very, very foundational in terms of unpacking um, the industry itself and the different types of solutions that are in there. But also with the legal industry, you cannot change how they do the work if we're still sticking with the hourly billing model. Because that means the system remains the same. The long working hours for the lawyers, the high fees that are put, um, you know, on clients. So part of it, part of the book is also dedicated to showing alternative business models around you can actually still make money, uh, but differently, you know. Um, and so I partnered with Juta Publishers. So they are also a well-respected um, legal um, publisher um, in the country. And the reason why I did that was because lawyers, we like credentials, you know, <laughs> we like credentials. So uh, I partnered with them, um, you know, the recognized publisher and people understand, oh, oh, Juta, okay, no, maybe we can listen to her, you know. So it's also being about being very intentional about 
who you connect with so that you can actually get your message um, across. So it's literally, it's called Legal Tech Startups and Innovation. You can literally just go on the Juta website and search it. Okay, awesome. And just to round off this segment, I always like to ask my guests, what does feminine leadership mean to you? People are people first before they are your employee, before, um, you know, they are someone that you need something from. Um, And so understanding how their emotions work first and where they are can actually help you become a better leader. Um, because understanding this will, will make you really put yourself in a better position for them to deliver. Typical example of this is my people here understanding that, shoot, she's a mother. Um, so let's make this type of provision for her. Oh, that gets me excited. That gets me loyal. That's, that makes me think, geez, man, I can actually go to the moon for these people because they are thoughtful. Um, about, you know, me as a person, not just someone who rocks up and is supposed to deliver. So it's really, really about being very thoughtful for me. That's what um, feminine, feminist leadership is, being very thoughtful um, about the people behind what you're trying to get out of, you know. Yeah. And now we move to a segment that I like to call the ABCs of your career. So starting with A, what was your amazing, affluent Oprah Winfrey aha moment? Jeez, there's so many. Because the problem is I've transitioned so much. (laughs) The problem is I've transitioned so much that it's... But probably the latest aha moment was... um, when I, at some point, you know, on my LinkedIn, I have this diagram of what being a head of business development, a legal tech business developer looks like. And I attach it to different traditional, um, you know, roles, job roles. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, it literally hit me like, geez, man. So you really weren't confused because at some point, um, Someone very close to me said, Leah, um, you're very confused. You don't know what you're doing. One moment you're a lawyer, one moment you're doing this, another moment you're writing a book, another moment you're teaching, another moment you're consulting with lawyers, next thing you're speaking, you're doing, you're confused, you know? Um, And as I sat down doing that, it dawned on me that you're actually not, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. Maybe, like maybe, 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 you know, like, okay, maybe, maybe I'll be okay. Maybe I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, that's brilliant. And moving to B, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? Business blunder. Um, probably deciding to, to close Lenoma down. Co-founder and I, you know, there was a little tiff there and I, I decided, you know what, um, like I said, you know, I had my kids very young. So next year, they're going to high school. So I literally have five years before it's varsity fees, you know. And in my head, I'm like, do you want to start from scratch? You know, do you, do you, do you want to sit down and start from scratch? Because that's really what it amounted to. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't have the energy anymore. 
personally, I've sacrificed a lot. And they have also sacrificed in the sense that I know my capacity in terms of what I could be able to offer them. And I haven't been doing that to my fullest potential. And I can't keep doing that for my dream. And I had to rethink what my dream really is. So it's not really about having my own company. No, it's about legal tech and the type of impact I want to have in legal technology. So if this means I do this for somebody else, perfect. Um, It just means I get to live my dreams on somebody else's payroll. And I mean, that's a perfect scenario, you know? Which, Um, look, then you don't have to stress where's the money coming from. You get it (laughs) every month. So, yeah, you know, the biggest blunder um, for me literally was, you know, that particular, um, you know, co-founder, you know, that literally led to that. But the way that it it turned around um, for me, um, I'll forever be grateful. And if you're like me and not so many amazing things have happened for you, sometimes you catch yourself like, man, when is the other shoe going to drop, you know? (laughs) So um, for me, yeah. even though it was a huge blunder, it, it, it has turned out to be a blessing. It definitely does sound like it turned into a blessing. So that's great. And then C, what was a cinematic worthy cock-up moment? I've had so many. Jeez, um, man. I, well, 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 the first one probably growing up uh, was when I had to do a speech, you know, in class. And then I swore, like literally in class. Um, <laughs> I can't say it now, but you can probably figure it out, you know, a teenager. <laughs> so I never forget that, you know, even in my worst um, type of things. Um, and then probably the latest, you know, in my, in my later years is when I, I started my legal career, my first um, trial, uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. There was a set process for a guilty plea and a set process for a trial. But the thing is, my client had two charges. One he was pleading guilty to, and then the other it was a not guilty, meaning there needed to be a trial. I wasn't aware of that process that combined the two. I do a plea, um, goes great. Next thing you need to go to the next step, I fumble. Luckily, I had a very understanding magistrate uh, and I asked her, you know, for me, if I could just recuse myself. I went to the bathroom and I cried. I've never cried so hard in my life. Like it was, when it happens, it feels like the biggest thing, you know, I mean, when I look back now, it's like, ah, you know, whatever, Leah. (laughs) You were were learning, you know, it's fine. It's okay. Um, It's part of the process. You just don't rock up and end up being, you know, an amazing lawyer, whatever you fumble, you know, uh, at some point. uh, But yeah, that was like, yeah, that I'll never forget. Shame. Well, I'm glad it was a good lesson learned. We all sometimes need a good little cry in the bathroom when something happens. (laughs) And now we're moving on to the final segment in the podcast, which I like to call the quick fire round questions. And so just the first thing that comes to the top of your mind. So number one, if you could change one thing in the legal space, what would it be? The whole thing? (laughs) 
entire legal space, the entire legal system. <laughs> the, the whole thing. Sometimes I just feel like um, it's so archaic. Um, you know, I mean, right now, you know, the, the trends towards, you know, digitizing some processes. You know, I know, um, you know, the court system itself, you know, it's also moving towards um, getting, you know, an official customized um, court online system. So that would be helpful. Um, and I know that there are inroads with regards to actually being able to get a protection order online. You know, I, I, I get it, um, but sometimes we are too exclusionary. We are too caught up in, I'm a lawyer. I studied this for so many years. Yes, great, amazing. But it really isn't supposed to be about you. It's about other things. Um, it's about other people. And it's sometimes so ego-driven. Um, it's about me winning this case, but is it for the greater good? Um, you know, um, so, uh, yeah. So to take the ego out of law, that's it. That's, I think that sounds like the main thing, to take the, the ego out of the law space. Take, take it out of the law um, and then, you know, the conversations will be much easier. And the next question, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Probably to... To stick to being a lawyer. Um, uh, at some point, I was told, "No, man, like, what are you doing? You're playing. Why, why are you playing? You know, <laughs> why are you playing? <laughs> stop, stop, stop this, this thing. You know, uh, that you're doing. What legal tech? No, man, stop it, stop it. Um, be a lawyer. Be like everyone else. Um, go back. Um, do this. Um, I'm so glad I didn't listen to them. Um, I'm, I'm really, really glad. Uh, I don't, I'd probably be such a miserable human being. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad I didn't take it. And in contrast, what was the best piece of advice you've ever received? Follow your passion. And I know it's so stupid, but literally everything I've done in my career has been passion driven. Um, and so even when the awards come in, even when the whatever's come in, um, for me, it's like, you know, thank you, but the award, the real win is getting to live out my dream. Not a lot of people get that. Not a lot of people get to mash their passion and actually make a decent living and just be able to survive, you know, and I get to do that. And, and for me, it's a blessing. And I'm not too sure if you are a big reader, maybe like fictional books or nonfiction, but I like to throw this question out there that if you could live in any book, which one would it be? Probably um, Dr. Carol Wack's book on mindset. So the concept behind it is the fact that there are two mindsets, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. Um, and unpacking the two and really it champions us fostering the growth mindset um, in terms of you know how you approach things the fact that your iq is actually not static you can keep going you can learn a new skill you can learn a new trade um, and i didn't know i was embodying some of those aspects um, until i read it um, and so if i could live in there because she's so eloquent about it you know um, in, in terms of explaining it and putting us in different scenarios, because it's not only about career-wise, it's also about, you know, in relationships, you know, how to navigate that, um, you know, in family situations, how to look at things from that purview 
of, of growth instead of just being fixed that no, life is sad, you can't change anything, um, you are given what you're given, you don't have the power to actually shift things. Um, and so for me, it's like one of my staple books. It's one of those things where, you know, if you need a reminder, you just take it out yeah. and, and, and go back in. I absolutely love it. Okay. She also has some cool TED Talks. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm going to look up. It sounds like my <laughs> kind of book. And then the <laughs> final question is three people that you would like to have over for a dinner party, dead or alive? <gasps> Werner, Werner boy. Oh, it's stupid, I know, but <laughs> Werner boy. <laughs> everyone, everyone who knows me knows the the love I have um, um, for that man. Um, probably him, because I feel like he'd be a great vibe, you know, to the table, blah, 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 blah. Uh, definitely Oprah. I know people probably say this, but um, I'd like to understand the rationale behind getting to where she got, um, even through her trouble. But firsthand, you know, you can read about it. It's 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 really not the same. You can read about these things, yeah. but really chills conversation and just understanding also the type of support that she has. Because sometimes it can be very lonely when you're an ambitious woman. Um, so understanding and unpacking that, um, you know, how does she pick her friends? How does she pick her partner? Um, you know, those types of nuances that no one really tells us about. You know, you just figure it out as you go and you stumble. And the last one is probably my mom. Yes, we have dinner, da, da, da. But um, I, I grew up an only child. Uh, and so, you know, part of her job was trying to get me, you know, not get into trouble. <laughs> But just having an earnest conversation around, geez, ma'am, um, I'm here. You know, I'm alive. Hey, you didn't kill me. Uh, <laughs> but but how 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 was it? You know, right now I don't know. We don't talk um, as much as I'd like to. So it would be great, you know, in a free because you know sometimes um, parents, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so in a free environment, um, you know where you can get to question um, certain things and ask, okay, so how did you navigate that? How did you do this? Um, whatever, whatever. So that would be great. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again, Leah, for joining me on the podcast today. I really do appreciate your time. It was so great hearing how you love to do things with intention. I feel like that's your main drive is that you do everything with intention and purpose. And that was beautiful to hear. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me.